Here we go. It's the official show, Easter Sunday edition. I am Eli Sussman, managing editor of Fish Stripes, and these solo pods of mine throughout the 2021 Miami Marlins season are presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. No Marlins baseball on this holiday for the second straight year. Very bizarre. Something we're accustomed to for the previous quarter century, and on this Sunday, almost every other team in action but I hope you made the most of it. Frankly, we've been spoiled the previous three days. Very compelling games against the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, even though the Marlins lost two of those three games. I've been blown away by the energy that everybody has been bringing, the enthusiasm when the fish succeed, the outrage when they don't or when they get screwed over by controversy, what have you. That's what this fandom is all about. Just try to pace yourselves because remember, this is not... 60 games. This is back to the full 162. We have a long way to go. Don't tire yourself out quite yet. On this episode, I will go through the key takeaways from the three Marlins versus Rays games, catch you up on a ton of other news items that may have snuck below the radar while being overshadowed by the games themselves. Then a segment on right-hander Nick Knighter, who suddenly has a golden opportunity to establish himself as a major league starter. Reviewing the games, we're going to go through Thursday, extremely quickly because that was covered on Friday morning small pod. It was the least eventful of the games because so low scoring. The story was pretty much the starting pitching matchup. Glasnow versus Alcantara, both of them were excellent through six innings of work. And for that first game, you had some concerns with the Marlins offense. Only had three hits and two of them were of the infield variety. And with uh, Yimmy Garcia, making the deciding mistake in that one as well for someone that was coming off such a strong year and he had high hopes for him somehow building upon that. It was a discouraging first start. So they lose that game. That was also the debut of Lone Depot Park. That was the debut of Bally Sports Florida and their slightly reworked uh, music selection and graphics. They changed a lot of things and some for better, some still need time to evaluate that. So stay tuned for that as, as we get deeper into this season, we'll look to see whether or not that's really an improvement or not as they rebrand that all those networks part of this Sinclair Broadcasting Group. Moving on to Friday, again the Marlins lose, but a, another hard-fought game, and this one had certainly more twists and turns to it. Final score, Rays 6, Marlins 4. Ryan Yarborough for the second straight year just stymied the Marlins lineup. I remember the game very vividly in 2020 when he went six and two-thirds scoreless at against the Marlins, and this one was five and two-thirds scoreless. The only difference being his pitch count in the stage he is in the season. He could have gone longer if they wanted him to, and the Marlins fell behind in that game when they went to their bullpen. Uh, Pablo was very impressive in his five innings of work, but then Richard Blyer puts them behind with allowing a home run. The Marlins did rally back, though, and it was a really fascinating two-out rally sparked by Jazz Chisholm in his triple. And then the next three Marlins batters all got on base, keeping the line moving. That was something that we saw plenty of in 2020, where the offense overall was not all that good by any standard. 
but it seemed that they would really pick it up when you least expect them in those two out situations and they sequenced their hits the right way that's the way to like (laughs) finagle your way to a more productive offense is if you get your base runners all at the same time and the Marlins were able to push across four runs in that end well three runs in that inning and then they uh, they added on one more of insurance in the eighth and you, you feel like they were all set that they were finally going to lock this down they brought in Anthony Bass the de facto closer of this team coming off a strong year someone that was saying all the right things in spring training and for the most part looked good and then his first appearance of the regular season blah disaster he swings and hits one deep to right down the line that baby is out of here joey wendell turns it around a three-run shot and the rays pick themselves right up off the floor to take a 5-4 lead bass ends up allowing four runs in this one he's able to get through the inning but by the time he did it was too late Rays had a two-run lead, and then they locked it down the bottom of the inning. I pointed out on Twitter that Sergio Romo, two years prior to that, his first year with the Marlins, his first appearance in a close game, had almost the exact same stat line as Bass. He allowed four earned runs. He allowed four base runners. You fast forward a couple months, and Romo was one of the hottest relievers in the league. He was very well-liked by the fans, and you know ultimately the Marlins traded him, and they like what they got in return. That doesn't mean that Bass necessarily is going to follow that same trajectory. They might not be in a hurry to trade him at the deadline because he has a longer deal if they want to use it to continue to lock down their bullpen. Just a reminder not to overreact because I mentioned it up top in the intro. There's been a lot of passion and in the immediate aftermath of Bass blowing that lead, there were some I told you so's, some regrets about the fact that he's not a conventional shut down closer he doesn't have a ton of swing and miss potential kind of league average in that department he does need to put some balls in play and in this case when he did they uh were not really nothing the the defense could do he was legitimately hit hard his pitches were not moving the way he liked to and he admitted it as much post game so that brings us to saturday Marlins just trying to salvage a game from the series and it did not look promising they fell behind in the early innings on a very unusual sequence with Eliezer Hernandez working with Chad Wallach for the first time in the starting role that they'd ever been paired together. And there was an opportunity for them to escape the inning on a two-strike pitch that Wallach got crossed up. He was expecting a breaking ball, got a fastball, didn't present it well. The at-bat continued. And then Mike Zanino clobbered the next pitch for a two-run home run that put the Marlins behind. Very soon after that, Eliezer comes out of the game with an injury. Initially, fingers crossed that it was a blister because he's someone that has suffered from blister issues in the past. Minor, although frustrating. And as we found out post-game, it was a lot more serious than that. It's a biceps issue that will almost certainly land him on the injured list. And that's kind of the impetus for our discussion about Nick Nider that's coming up. With this game, though, the Marlins did not pack it in. You thought they might in that situation, but they came back to tie it. They, in relief of Eliezer, they went to Paul Campbell for his major league debut coming in very abruptly in injury relief in the middle of an inning for someone that was developed, for the most part, as a starting pitcher while he was with the 
Tampa Bay Rays. So he makes his debut against his old team in what was a tie game, even though I'll bet still in the early innings, a very important situation. He handled it well. He gets through the first inning scoreless. They give Campbell the lead. He ran out of steam a little bit a couple innings later. He wasn't as precise with his command. But this is someone that we've had breakdowns of him on Fish Stripes from Spencer Morris. Go find that article if you can from earlier this spring about the unique characteristics of his pitches. He has elite spin rate on both his fastball and his curveball. He gets his first major league strikeout on a curveball during this outing. A decent first step for him. Someone that would not be on the active roster, all things considered, if he was a typical prospect, but being a Rule 5 guy, they found room from him, and he contributed. There's no doubt about it. Again, the bullpen gives up the lead in that situation. They fall behind. Adam Simper gets roughed up, and then once again, the, the offense rallies back, and later in that game, another debut, another pitcher who was selected in this past Rule 5 draft. It was Zach Pop. And he works a very quick scoreless inning. Fastball went up to 98 miles per hour. I wish we got to see a lot more of him. He was so efficient that it had you wanting more. If you had concerns in that first game, if you had concerns even midway through Friday, remember this offense had not scored at all halfway through this series. And then the second half of the series, they have that the big rally on Friday. And then here on Saturday, they were relentless. Inning after inning, fought back. And they pull ahead for good in the sixth inning. It was with Garrett Cooper's run-scoring hit. John Birdie drove in two more. They continue to pile on a couple innings later. Adam Duvall with his first home run as a Marlin. Take a listen to that. And he may have his first Marlins home run right here. Adam Duvall with a pinch hit home run. That's exactly why they got him. You know, it doesn't compare with what Shohei Otani did on Sunday night. Didn't go 450 feet. The sound off the bat doesn't blow you away on its own. But that's really what makes Duvall a very dangerous hitter, is that in this situation, he didn't even get all of it. He didn't really get it on the sweet spot, and it still went over the wall because he has that type of power potential. One of the better power hitters that this organization has had since rebuild started. So welcome to Miami Adam Duvall in this situation. The Marlins ultimately win on Saturday 12 to 7. I loved what they did with Anthony Bass putting him right back into the game on Saturday. They thought it would be a save situation, but because of the insurance, he doesn't get credited with the save, but he did work a clean top of the ninth inning to get back on track and get settled in. Some of the stats from the series pretty wild. Glasnow and Yarborough, the two race starters that began the series, zero earned runs in 11 and two-thirds innings. The rest of the Rays pitchers pitched 14 and a third innings, and they allowed 15 runs in ERA over nine. As you know, the Marlins are allowing fans into these games, albeit a limited capacity. Opening day had the larger attendance of the three over seventh grand, and the two other games, Saturday and Sunday, were each in the low 6,000s. The total, 19,356. And you add it all together, the Marlins did lose this series. They're a couple games back of first place in the NL East behind the Phillies. But they outscored the Rays 16-14. to They had the positive run differential. 
And in small sample sizes, that's really more important than the wins and losses. That stuff kind of evens out in most cases once we get through a full-length season. And remember, this was with getting less from Eliezer Hernandez than they wanted, throwing their Rule 5 draft picks into the fire. That I think when you really wrap your your head around everything that happens, that this was a solid start. Those are some legitimate reasons to feel encouraged about the Marlins, and the Symbol market agrees. You should know by now that Symbol is the stock market for sports. Trade teams just like stocks and earn cash payouts when they win. After MLB team trading began with Sim Marlins right around $20 per share, the price rose to $21 the day before opening day, and as of this recording, it's up to $22.53 for Sim Marlins. It's trending up. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win and you want to buy in early on Sim Marlins before those wins pile up. Join 2,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest already. Visit www.simbull.app to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for a $10 bonus. Visit simple.app to use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for a $10 bonus to help build your portfolio, not just the Marlins and not just MLB, all the major American team sports professionally. Invest in what you know, invest in sports. Some other news items that came out of these past few days off the field Corey Dickerson puts his Miami Beach home on the market. I tweeted a joke about him, and it was an easy thing to knock on because Dickerson actually was not in the starting lineup for the two final games of the series against the Rays. In reality, if he's just putting his home on the market now, it's probably preparing to find a taker for it by the end of the year when he's going to be a free agent anyway. There'll be plenty to talk about Dickerson as this year goes on in an interesting spot where he's highly compensated, Hopeful that he's a bounce-back candidate, but the Marlins have some really good options in the corner outfield aside from him, so they're not going to give him a super long leash. The Marlins made a free agent signing just a few days ago on April 1st, inking outfielder Steven Adderley. He's from the Bahamas. So we're a couple months into the international free agent signing period already. By all accounts, the Marlins have exhausted 90-something percent of their bonus pool at this point. So Adderley was relatively far down the list of uh, talented prospects. Well, we'll see. Obviously, years away from really making a judgment on him. The Marlins are building somewhat of an intriguing pipeline with the Bahamas. Just a couple years ago, one of their top international prospects from the 2019 class was infielder Ian Smith, and he's now at minor league spring training. Then, of course, at the major league level, You've heard about him everywhere already, so I don't need to focus too much on him right now. Second baseman Jazz Chisholm Jr., who had great series for himself against the Rays in all aspects of the game, and he, at the moment, I believe, is the only active Bahamian at the major league level. So that's something fairly unique, and hopefully he's the type of personality and the type of valuable player that will inspire even more young players in that country to pursue baseball seriously. On that related note, uh, Baseball America passes along the details of what the Marlins will have available on the next international free agent period in 2022, as well as their MLB draft pool coming up in July. 
you'll remember the Marlins did make the playoffs last year, and as a result of that, you don't get the same premium amateur resources that you do as when you're at the bottom of the totem pole. So their total MLB draft pool is a shade under $10 million, 9.95, and that's to be used on the first 10 rounds of the draft, as well as uh, any other players that sign for at least $125,000 a piece. To compare that with other full drafts in the past, it's not a perfect comparison because the draft this year is only 20 rounds, and it used to be, uh, for decades, it was 40 rounds. Back when it was 40, um, past couple years, 2019 and 2018, their pool was like 12, 13, 14 million dollars. So it's a, it's a difference. Most of that difference comes in the first round pick, where you'll notice that JJ Bleday, very hype in the first round, signed for over six and a half million dollars. Max Meyer, number three overall pick last year, and he signed for over six, I think, six point seven million dollars. And this year, the Marlins only have three point seven five million allotted to their first round pick. You can obviously spend more than that if you want. It just means that for the team that they don't have quite as much wiggle room with that pick. They don't have quite as much flexibility as you do was when you're picking at the very top of the round. And it'll get easier to project that as we get closer to the draft and as we get further along in the collegiate and the high school season. They're about halfway through their season at this point. This year's MLB draft, because it was pushed back from its usual June start date into July, is being interconnected for the first time with the MLB All-Star Game. Both events supposed to be hosted in Atlanta, that relatively new ballpark down there. Instead, Major League Baseball announced that it is removing those events from Atlanta as a punishment of sorts due to the state of Georgia's recent voter suppression legislation. And the Marlins are one of the few teams that also spoke out endorsing this decision. We'll see if the Marlins potentially sneak their way into hosting these events themselves, even though they very recently had an All-Star game in 2017. It seems unlikely. The outcome of that is supposed to be announced relatively soon. Uh, Potentially, before we record the next podcast, we'll know where that All-Star game is going to be. Of course, we're much looking forward to seeing Marlins players in the All-Star game after they weren't given that opportunity in 2020. Speaking of Atlanta brings us full circle back to the main subject that I wanted to get to in this pod, Nick Neidert, because Neidert is a native of Atlanta, and he grew up a Georgia sports fan, yada, yada, yada. And now he's on top of mind because he should be on the verge of joining the Marlins active roster. Somewhat of a borderline decision to option him in the first place coming out of spring training where he was pretty impressive and understanding that the Marlins, although they have good starting pitching depth, that the the number five starter was supposed to be somewhat of a competition. and, And at least initially, the Marlins kind of punted that decision down the road. They opened the regular season with only four conventional starters on the roster, optioning Nider and Sixto and Uh, Daniel Castano, all the guys that realistically could have cracked that opportunity. And now, Nider is needed because Eliezer Hernandez, as we mentioned, suffered a biceps injury. He will absolutely be going on the injured list soon. His next scheduled turn in the rotation is this Thursday. And if Nider doesn't make that pitching appearance, 
then they'll need somebody else for the fifth spot in the rotation, which was expected to be Sixto coming up before Sixto had an injury setback of his own, dealing with some shoulder inflammation. He has stopped throwing for an indefinite period of time, and then he'll need who knows how long to ramp back up from that. Both Eliezer and Sixto out of the picture for their foreseeable future, and in walks Nick Neidert, 24 years old, uh, widely regarded as one of the better pitching prospects in the organization, number 12 overall on MLB Pipelines list, number 15 overall on Baseball America, and among pitchers in the organization, number six, number seven guy, someone that was, if you remember, arguably the first, very first young player of substance that the new ownership and front office acquired upon moving into their position of power with the Marlins as the main piece not the main piece, but the biggest piece, I'd say, of the D. Gordon trade, along with Robert Duggar and along with infielder Christopher Torres coming over from Seattle. He made an immediate positive impression in the organization, given the aggressive promotion up to AA, spent the entire season at AA as a 21-year-old, and went on to win Marlins Minor League Pitcher of the Year. Nobody's going to confuse him with Otani, but he did hit a home run in that season, as well as another extra base hit, a 269 batting average overall at AA. And oh yeah, he was pretty good on the mound, a 3.24 ERA, more than a strikeout per inning that year. He's had some other minor league time as well in 2019 with AAA, and also during a rehab assignment in 2019 at rookie level in Jupiter. And then he even got an invite to the Arizona Fall League, where he was terrific towards the end of 2019. You add it all up together, in the Marlins organization on the minor league side, a 3.39 ERA, 219 strikeouts against only 60 walks, so nearly a 4 to 1 ratio. That's in 228 in the third innings pitched. He made the opening day roster last year, but like so many other guys, he tested positive for COVID. That really knocked him off his game. He barely got an opportunity to contribute down the stretch, and by that point, he was locked out of the rotation. He was relegated to long relief, which is, you know, it's better than nothing. But he is, perhaps as much as anybody in this organization, he is such a prototypical starting pitcher. It's what he is. He checks all the boxes you can want with a legitimate four-pitch mix, the fastball, changeup, slider, curveball. The changeup is probably the best of those. But frankly, the fastball is another great pitch just because of how well he commands it to both sides of the plate and the nice little late movement that he gets on it as well to generate grounders and to pick up a lot of called strikes on the edges of the zone. Uh, And the slider is a pitch that's continued to improve. The curveball is a pitch that used to be a total afterthought, and that's really been his main focus of his development since coming over to the Marlins is making that curveball a more usable pitch As he described it, it used to be just a kind of a get-me-over pitch, a a lobby one, if you will, just to change the the hitter's eye level and the timing. But now one that we saw in spring training was able to get some key strikes calls with it. Still not something that he'll use to put away batters in most instances, but it just makes him all the more complete. He's got a deceptive delivery, and really the key with him uh, as much as anything, is all just his fastball velocity because he's someone that, if you're being generous, like league average velocity off the mound historically, 
And there've been some times during his development where it's actually dipped a little lower than you'd like. There've been certain starts where he struggled to crack 90 miles per hour. Very encouraging signs from spring training where he had several, he was a couple appearances routinely in the 92, 93, 94 range. And that makes a world of difference. It really does. Just those couple ticks of velocity, if he's able to sustain that during the regular season. He's someone that just barely got squeezed out of this opening day roster. Uh, Trevor Rogers has even better raw stuff, and he has the left-handedness working to his advantage, and he was able to convert so many strikeouts during his limited time in the majors in 2020 that you could kind of understand him getting precedent. This debut for Neidert is right on deck. Maybe he takes Eliezer's next scheduled turn in the rotation on Thursday. At the very latest, you would think he gets called up for this upcoming road trip when they finally need five true starters up there all at the same time. Even though Neidert doesn't have the kind of quality of stuff as a Sixto, as an Edward Cabrera, as a Max Meyer, as a Trevor Rogers, as Sandy or Pablo, like he's pretty far down there. just because of this embarrassment of riches that the Marlins have with their arms. I mean, that being said, just because of the command that he has and how difficult the ball is to pick up out of his hand, I think he's going to be a very impactful player for the Marlins if given the opportunity. And that, I mean, that opportunity is right here, right now. This team, they didn't listen to me. During the offseason, I was clamoring for them to get a legitimate veteran starting pitcher of some type to really round out this rotation, understanding that pitcher attrition could be a big theme of this 2021 season, ramping up from a 60-game season to 162, that it's just a very uncomfortable spot for these pitchers and a big unknown when it comes to preparing these guys for this situation. And there you go. The Marlins so quickly into the regular season have already lost two key parts of their starting pitching depth chart for an indefinite period of time. They signed Gio Gonzalez right at the last minute after spring training already got underway. And they took a shot, but Gio retired. So what are you going to do now? If, if they felt that it was important to bring in somebody like Gio a month ago, why are they not prioritizing filling that void with somebody else outside of the organization? We have a recent article up from Juan Pais on fishstripes.com talking about how unusual it is the Marlins are moving forward with such a young rotation where everybody on their depth chart is under the age of 27. This is not something you see play out over the course of a full season. Even though the Marlins may be uniquely positioned to challenge for that, the fact that they've had these injuries early in the year and they had Geo's retirement, I think it necessitates a move that they need to do something in the relatively near future. Otherwise, they, they're they vulnerable of putting themselves in a really bad position. There are options out there. There are free agents. There's old friend Anibal Sanchez. He's been out there for months and he's just looking for a major league deal. We have a report from John Heyman right on cue, right on Saturday, saying that several other teams are engaged with Anibal Sanchez, including the Washington Nationals. So if you don't get him, he goes to a rival team. You don't know how much he has left in the tank right now, but you didn't know with Gio Gonzalez either, and Anibal has a slightly more encouraging recent track record if you look at the last few years. He's a crafty guy, someone you'd love in that clubhouse. Uh, Some other veterans on the market, Mike Leake, Jeff Samarja, 
who's the other one? Rick Porcello. That's the one that Craig Mish brought up when we had a brief Twitter exchange about this. Rick Porcello is even younger than some of those other ones. Uh, all of them are very flawed. That's the reason why they're still on the market and didn't get the deal that they liked. Marlins, they're a team that they I just don't see the excuse at this point. It's awkward to very soon after the start of the regular season feel like you need to make an adjustment, make a change of some type to spend a little money. They have the money to spend. They finally got their deal with Bally Sports Florida that more than doubles what they're bringing in on an annual basis over there. And the icing on the cake was the naming rights deal for the ballpark, Lone Depot Park, which at the very least reported to be about $4 million per, per year. Maybe they explore some trades. Maybe there's someone on an iffy contract on a non-contending team and you can get him for a very minimal prospect price. They should be exploring everything. Because it'd be great to to not, you don't want this season to go completely sideways. Our previous podcast, me and Daniel Rodriguez, we talked about some ways that this season could turn on them fast. And one of the concerns was that these young pitchers, so many of them have durability issues. They haven't been through full seasons before. That could go off the rails pretty quickly. And Nick Knighter, he's a young guy too. So as confident as I am in his skill set and his performance, and the, the nice change of pace that he has with the other starting pitchers as well. Like, that's something that we shouldn't overlook, is it's a contrast in styles from the other high-octane arms on the staff, which is a good thing, I believe, all things considered. When you play out a full series and the opponent is used to seeing a certain type of stuff and now they see something else, he could be a great complement to them. I'm very excited to see what he does, and I'd be awfully more excited if... They had an additional, more experienced arm that they also brought into the equation here to really steady this situation before it gets a, a little bit desperate. So that's going to wrap us up for this official show. Finally got a, a mostly full week of regular season baseball coming up. Thank you for spending it with Fist Drives. Here on the podcast, at Fist Drives, across all our social media channels, and full coverage at Fist Drives. Dot com. Enjoy this week. Hope you had a great Easter holiday. Go fish.